You are listening to the Your Shining Self podcast for women who need messages of hope, love, and transformation. And now, your host, Tish. Serena Sabella is a certified plant-based nutrition consultant, yoga teacher, and fitness trainer who has studied the subject of nutrition for over 10 years and has a unique, holistic approach to health and wellness. When she was only eight years old, her father, a very successful and busy entrepreneur, got really sick. Unfortunately, he didn't have the tools to take care of his own well-being and therefore crumbled under the pressure of owning a multi-million euros business. This led to him losing everything he had worked so hard for, with huge consequences for him and the whole family. As a result of her childhood experiences, Serena has developed an interest in well-being practices which started at a very young age. Today, she works passionately to help leaders be strong and fit so they can be healthy and satisfied and continue to have a positive impact within their organizations and the communities around them. Serena is also very passionate about bringing wellness to the workplace. Since many people spend most of their waking hours at work, she believes that employees who are cared for care more, and that companies who put the well-being of their employees at the forefront of what they do are more successful than average. If you'd like to get the notes from today's episode, head on over to shiningself.com forward slash 38. Hey there listeners, today I'm excited to have my guest Serena Sabella with us. Welcome Serena. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right, you guys, I'm excited for the conversation that Serena and I are bringing you today. We are going to be talking about becoming your best self through developing self-love and compassion, but also learning effective ways to take the best possible care of yourself. Serena, I know this is a topic you enjoy chatting about. So let's, um, you know, kind of before we jump into the meat of the conversation, when you're talking about self-love and compassion, will you let my listeners know, how do you describe self-love and compassion? Yeah, I mean, it's a profound topic that I became present with at a very young age, just to bring it into context. Um, essentially, the seed for health and well-being was planted in my consciousness at a very young age. I was about 10 years old, or maybe even a little younger, when my dad, who was a very successful uh, entrepreneur at the time, uh, he became ill. And I now realize that the reason why that was is because he simply didn't have the tools in, your, in his toolbox to prioritize his health and well-being above all else, whilst also dealing with the stresses of a very fast-growing and demanding business and a young family, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And um, in becoming ill, he lost everything he'd worked so hard for his entire life with huge repercussions, not only on his life, but also mine as his daughter. And many communities around him, his extended family, his clients, his employees, etc., etc. And if I look at my dad's, in answer to your question, if I look at my dad's circumstances and choices and, and also mistakes, uh, I realized that what he was doing all throughout his life was to prioritize his responsibilities and prioritize 
what he perceived as being the things that, that, that were most important, whilst constantly um, neglecting himself, his, his own health and well-being, his, his own needs and, and desires and wishes. And, and that's for, at the very fundamental level, that's what kind of led him to, to get sick. And so when I think of self-love and self-compassion, I think about doing the opposite of that. And it's something that sounds easy, well, sounds simple, I should say, because it is simple, but it's not easy. It's not easy to put in practice because it kind of goes against the grain of what we are taught to do, how we are brought up and what we are constantly uh, incentivized to do. And that is, we are constantly uh, asked from a very young age to do the right thing. And many of us are not um, educated to check in with ourselves first and make, to make sure that what we're doing aligns with our deepest needs and desires. And in fact, especially for guys out there and especially my dad's generation, there was a stigma around that because men had to be strong, they had to care for their families, they had to do this, that, the other. They couldn't show their emotion, they couldn't cry, they couldn't show weaknesses. And so my dad fell into that trap of trying to be all that was expected of him from those around him and society, etc., and completely ignoring himself, his needs, his desires, his wishes, therefore not nurturing any self-love and any self-compassion in fact or doing the very opposite of that and there's only so much that we can withstand that until we break down and my dad's story is you know obviously uh, an extreme case scenario but I see it happen in my practice time and time again with busy leaders with busy professionals especially those with families we find this so hard to prioritize our needs um it's literally for some people it's 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 the most challenging thing in the world it's so much easier to put the business first to put the family first to put our children first to put our partners first they this, this is a result of how we are brought up and how we're educated but the repercussions of constantly every and continuously ignoring our needs and desires are huge they are massive because uh, like in my dad's story, when he crumbled and he got sick, everybody around him suffered. So he achieved the very opposite of what he was trying to achieve uh, in, by neglecting himself. So when I think of, self of self-love and compassion, I think of um, putting ourselves first, not in, a, in the selfish way of being um, self-centered, but in a very selfless way of doing what we need to do to care for ourselves first so that we can then be the best partners, the best parents, the best business owners, the best leaders, so that we can give our best to the world, essentially. And this is at the core of our company. In fact, our company values revolve entirely around this principle, which I was lucky enough, although through traumatic circumstances but I was lucky enough to learn it at a very young age 
Thank you for sharing that, Serena. And um, yeah, I mean, it's tragic that it took those circumstances at, you know, a young age for you to learn the importance of this, but also it's also kind of a, I mean, maybe blessing isn't the right word, but, you know, I think back to when I was, you know, around 10 years old, I certainly had no clue that, you know, putting myself first and taking care of myself first was important because that's not what my environment was. That's not what I saw going on around me. And I love that you mentioned that, um, you know, there's kind of a stigma around men, you know, having self-care and self-compassion because I think there is. Um, And I also think that as women, and I can't speak for, you know, every woman out there, I can only speak for myself, but like for the longest time, I, when I thought of like self-love and self-compassion, I instantly like the word that came to my mind. And it wasn't just because I thought that it's because people around me had used this word too, but I, you know, used to believe that self um, you know, self-care, self-love, self-compassion, putting myself first and taking care of myself was selfish because again, that's, you know, what I was taught and whether that was from like family and, um, you know, people in my circle or from like society, but like, you know, it goes back to whenever you're on an airplane, there is a reason that when they're going through the safety, There's a reason that they tell you, put your oxygen mask on first. And now that I've, you know, gotten older and I'm in more into being in tune with taking care of myself and putting myself first, um, it's just like, I, I wish we could just get it through everybody's head that we can't take care of others until we take care of ourselves first. And it's like, why is that such a hard concept for people to understand? <laughs> yeah, no, you're abs- you are spot on with this. And there is, it's by no accident that we've chosen as the first value of our company, our whole shift wellness, we've chosen the word selfish. The first value is be selfish. And we want to we wanna almost trigger a little reaction in, in people because there's such a stigma around this word. There's such a negative connotation around the word selfish, right? It's, 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 a, it's a bad word. It's, it's a bad thing to be described as. Uh, but what if it isn't, you know? Uh, we say be selfish. Take care of yourself as if you are the most important person in your life because you are. But then we follow that in with be selfless. Do so in order to be your best self and have the greatest positive contribution on everybody around you in the world as a whole. And then finally, we say play big. Remember that you're capable of way more than you think you are. So I think some of the stigma around being selfish revolves around the fact that there are individuals out there who are not only, they're not selfish as much as they are self-centered. So they are taking care of themselves, but they're only doing that. So so say, for instance, if a company value was be selfish, full stop, nothing after that, um, then we wouldn't wouldn't be as successful as we are in transforming the well-being of individuals around us. Because yes, if if you're taking care of yourself just 
for your own sake only and you're if, and you're being self-centered as well as selfish and then then yes there is an imbalance there but if you are starting with yourself but not ending at yourself you're doing it for the for the greater purpose of being of greater service and making a positive difference in people's lives and therefore you are sharing the abundance of, of your self-care and self-love with those around you then it it only but makes sense the problem is is that there, there's a scarcity mindset that we are brought up with which um leads us to hoard so it leads us to believe that there isn't enough going about enough attention enough love enough care enough you know enough of things even enough resources and so in trying to care for ourselves we hold on to stuff because we think that there might not be enough that we might run out and and when we when we when we go about life and in fact when we go about our health and well-being with this scarcity mindset then we come across not only a selfish but self-centered also and nobody benefits even we don't benefit because there is so much power in in giving you know giving is is the ultimate way of receiving so i think that's it's it's a deep conversation that revolves around culture and it revolves around values and and it takes what we call a shift at the level of the mindset to to learn to be at peace and in fact enjoy being selfish because we know that it's what allows us to be selfless fundamentally yes and speaking of the word shift serena you have a book called make the shift a proven method for busy professionals to transform their health well-being and confidence now i know in the book because i've read it Um, You talk a lot about, um, you know, effective ways to take the best possible care of yourself. So let's switch gears a little bit and let's move into talking about some of those effective ways to take care of ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So our proven methodology revolves around our work. Myself and my husband, Eugene, uh, founded Whole Shift Wellness and we between us we have over 20 years of combined experience transforming the well-being of over 500 professionals across five countries and what this has allowed us to do is really understand with immense clarity the fundamental principles of health and well-being and develop this proven method which allows you to what we say make the shift to your most fit healthy and confident self and all of this revolves around what we have established are the three fundamental pillars of health and well-being so if you think of your optimal health and well-being like a tripod a structure with three legs and in order for you to not only achieve your greatest results but also most importantly may i add sustain them effortlessly for the rest of your life as if it was second nature to you um, you've got to think of, of these of these states as, as, as the pinnacle of the tripod. Now, what happens to a tripod if even just one of the three legs is slightly weaker than the others? It means that that structure is simply not staying up. It's constantly wobbling and, and it's, it's, it's either 
crumbling down or even if it's up, it, it feels unsturdy, it feels unstable. And this is, for instance, uh, an example of these in people's lives, the way this manifests itself is you're either never able to achieve what you know you are capable of when, you're, when it comes to your health and well-being. So your, your greatest goals forever escape you. Or if you do get there, it's such hard work to maintain. You know, it feels like such hard work. It feels like you're having to work overtime for it. And it feels like you're not being able to enjoy your life. You have to choose almost between being your best self or enjoying your life. And we have come to uh, then to realize that the reason why that is, is because most individuals, in fact, everybody we meet, is undeveloped at the level of at least one of the three pillars, possibly two. And just to share openly with you guys, by the way, all of this is in the book. So anybody that wants to learn this in great detail, uh, feel free to pick up a copy of the book, which is on Amazon. But the three pillars of well-being are focus, food, and fitness. So in order to develop a strategy that truly works once and for all, you've got to strengthen all three pillars, focus, food, and fitness, in a way that is systematic, conducive, and that is bespoke to your unique goals and preferences and challenges. Um, and the way you do it, our proven method to do so is to use kind of a five steps method. Um, we call these five steps method, the five M's. So there are five kind of actions that you need to, to take on and apply to the three pillars of well-being: focus, food and fitness. Um, to constantly get better and better and better until you reach uh, whatever level you're happy to sustain. And, and it happens in such a way that you will be able to maintain it effortlessly for the rest of your life. Serena, um, I had marked something in the book and this was literally on page two of the book, <laughs> um, but it was, it just like stuck out at me, I was like, oh my gosh, I want to mention this. You said our aim is not merely to change what you do and how it is to change why. And I, I want to talk about that for a second, because I think that is so important. We can easily make a decision to change something. Um, I mean, I could list a thousand things that, you know, I was like, oh, for example, one day I was like, okay, I'm done with diet Coke, but mm. there was no, I, there wasn't a why behind I had made why yes. I decided to do that. So mm -hmm. very quickly, I immediately picked back up that habit of drinking diet Coke. So right. Um, I would love to chat about why, why you say that. And especially at the very beginning of the book, because it's obviously important for it to be said at the very beginning of the book. Absolutely. Uh, essentially it's the fundamental reason, uh, the fundamental point uh, and, and distinction behind those who succeed and those who fail. And interestingly, it really ties in with the first thing that we discussed, which is that of self-love and, and self-compassion and self-care. Um, and this is something that I experienced myself in my own transformation. For as long as you perceive, for as long as your motivations are rooted in negative emotions and feelings, uh, etc., um, 
so you your actions um, will not be conducive to your greatest goals. So if uh, you say embark on a new regimen and, and decide that you want to change, say your your diet, which is a very popular topic, you want to diet, you want to lose some weight. Everybody comes to us with this. You can go about it from a place of self-berating and self-hatred and lack of self-acceptance and, and shame and guilt and all those negative emotions. Or you can go about it from a place of self-love, self-care, self-compassion. And it sounds like an irrelevant difference, but it actually is the most important things because your intention behind your actions will determine whether you will succeed, it will determine how long you'll stick with it, it will determine how you'll approach things. So for instance, our, some of our shifters come to us at the beginning of the journey and they're like, oh, I just, I just want to lose some weight because you know I want to be able to fit into my clothes, etc., etc." And there's nothing, there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. That is a very noble goal there's nothing wrong with wanting to look good. There's nothing wrong with, 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 with wanting to improve your physical appearance. However, if you only want to improve in order to look better, and if you want to change your nutrition just to lose a few pounds, and I've done this myself in the past, by the way, and I see it happen time and time again, you will be inclined to do whatever it takes to lose weight. Right. You'll have that mindset of the goal is to lose weight. That's my intention. That's my why. So whatever helps me lose weight, I'll do it. Now, let me tell you, there are a million ways to lose weight. And I've tried about 900 of them. <laughs> right? Do they all work? Temporarily, most of them do. Do they all allow you to feel better from the inside out and to achieve permanent transformation at the root level rather than just temporary change. Most of them don't. In fact, you might lose some weight temporarily if you do some of the most drastic things out there, such as you know, fasting diets, shakes, liquid diets, or pills even. Maybe you lose some weight and you'll have, a tempor you'll have temporary positive results, but because your intention was of a certain nature, uh, and you you had that kind of whatever mindset about it, anything that works will do, then you go down these drastic short-term solutions routes that may bring temporary results, but inevitably will bring you back to where you started with a vengeance, if not even further back than that. And I know this firsthand, having experienced this in my own life. If, however... The intention is to take the best possible care of yourself, to be your healthiest, most content and happiest self, to be joyful, to care for your body because you realize that your body is the most prized possession and you want to care for it in the best possible way. And you want to live a long and healthy and beautiful and fulfilling life. Then let you will go about it in a completely different way. You, know, you won't even think about doing something that hurts your body. You won't even think about popping pills that hurts your body or doing something drastic that hurts your body or that might have side effects. You, you, you're, you're going about it for a different reason. Your why is different. Your why drives your action. Your intention drives your action. So you will choose a path that 
feels nurturing, that feels sustainable, that, that, that is healthy and feels healthy. And you might not lose weight as fast as by doing some of those drastic measures, but you will achieve permanent results. And you will, you'll be able to, try to sustain them effortlessly for the rest of your life because your intention was different. I hope this is making sense. Oh, it makes total sense. And um, I appreciate that you mentioned, you know, if you're going about losing weight, just because say you want to fit in like a little black dress, for example, um, that probably whatever you're doing to lose the weight for that specific goal is not going to work. And again, I can't speak for, you know, everybody else. I can only speak from, you know, my personal experience, but I am like, when you were talking about all that, I was like raising my hand. I'm like, I am the poster child for like diet, like diet dropout, diet failure. I mean, I have tried everything out there. I've been taken to the emergency room for diet pills, causing, you know, my heart rate to just be beating so quickly. I have done binging and purging. I mean, I have just... Oh my gosh, I don't want to go down this whole rabbit trail, but like everything that I tried, it was always because of things that people said to me, whether it was, you know, people close to me or strangers, things like that. I was never, it was always like, you have to diet, you have to lose weight in order to be accepted, in order to be loved, yada, 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 like just all this stuff. So obviously, when I was doing the things that I was doing to lose weight, it was because that's what I had to do in order to be loved and accepted. Mm-hmm. And it never worked. I always ended up losing weight and sure, maybe I could drop, you know, 60 pounds, but I tell you what, I gained those 60 pounds back plus another 20. So every exactly. single time I lost and gained more. So it was just this whole vicious cycle, but um, I, I have a really hard time. Um, like I struggle so much when it comes to talking about like losing weight and, um, I don't even know like what I'm trying to say, but like, because for me and what I do, like I'm all about body positivity and I really struggle with this because there's this like, I don't know, like this thin line in the whole body positivity community where, oh my God, you talk about dieting, you talk about losing weight. They will like whip you with a wet noodle, throw stones at you. Like they will jump all over your case. And like my whole belief is we all know our own bodies. We are our best advocates. So, you know, my messaging to my community has always been, you know, you, you know, if you don't feel good, if you don't feel healthy and you know that changing your diet is going to help you, then you have to do what is best for you. So an example that, you know, I can share about all this is I'm an alcoholic. I've been sober for seven years. So I know that I cannot drink because drinking is eventually going to kill me. So Mm -hmm. I had this really great conversation with one of my best friends who also happens to be my business coach. And, you know, I was going back and forth with her about this whole, um, 
you know, struggling with wanting to talk about like weight loss and body positivity, but, you know, struggling with it because of what I see in the body positivity community. And she Mm -hmm. said, and I don't remember exact words, but, you know, it was basically along the lines of, if you know, Tisha, that drinking alcohol kills you and you Mm. don't do it, that's Mm. having self-compassion, self-care, self-love. You're taking care of yourself. So then she went on to say, if you know, and this is true, I know that when I'm eating a bunch of carbs and like, I should say like processed foods, carbs, um, and like all that sugar and stuff, I know how bloated my body gets. I know how bad my joints hurt. So she's like, why is, you know, talking about that to your community and telling them that you're choosing to eat, you know, the less carbs and things like that, or the less, you know, processed sugars and stuff, because you know that that's taking care of you. She's like, why is that any different than you choosing to stay away from alcohol because you know that it's killing you? And I was like, oh my gosh, that's, that's so true. Um, So the reason I was sharing all that is because I really struggled with wanting to have this conversation with you, Serena, because of everything that I just shared. Um, so I love that, you know, you are on here and sharing this and like, I'm just so open to what you're sharing right now. And I really enjoyed your book. Again, the book is called, um, make the shift and I will have, it linked in the show notes so that people can head on over to Amazon and check it out. But um, so Serena, if somebody's listening right now and maybe they're struggling a little bit with like what I just shared, yeah. they are at the point where um, they've come to accept themselves the way they are, whether they're mm. bigger, smaller, whatever, yes. but they know that they could do something to make themselves feel better and take a little better Mm. care of themselves, what advice would you have for them? First of all, I really want to applaud you and acknowledge you for how brave you are for in just openly talking about your stories and your own challenges and not just past challenges, but also present challenges that you're still facing and and that you're still voicing voicing so openly to your community. I think that's fantastic because that creates the space for openness and authenticity. And that is the only space where transformation is possible. You know, it only comes from a space of openness and authenticity and sincerity. And by the way, those are the fundamental traits of self-love and self-compassion. You know, it's not about perfection. You know, it's not about being perfect or being great or being happy all the time you know, or being, or having it all, or having it all together. It's the opposite of that. It's actually acknowledging when we don't. It's acknowledging when what we're still challenged by and when we're still challenged and and how we're constantly putting ourselves at issue and working on ourselves. And I completely understand this conundrum between self-love and self-acceptance versus wanting to change and improve you know and some will have you believe that it's either or that you're either loving and accepting yourself or you're working on yourself and improving yourself and I I, I, I completely disagree with that um, I think in life you're either striving and growing and 
or, or you are kind of regressing. And so you're either choosing that path of self-love and, and of, of growth and, 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 the, and self-development, or you're just stagnating, you know, and, and wanting to do better, to feel better, doesn't mean that you don't love and accept yourself. It's the opposite of that. You love and accept yourself so much that you want to do the best that you can at all times to continue to take better care of yourself. And that, and I, I frankly, I've been at it for 20 years and I'm never done. I, I haven't reached the point where I'm like, okay, I'm done learning how to take best care of myself. It's a, it's a journey. It's a process. As I grow and evolve, my needs, my preferences, my desires grow and evolve. And I continuously refine my skills I continuously find new modalities to take better care of myself, but I don't come at it from a place of not being good enough as I am right now. I come at it from a place of I'm great. How can I be even greater? I'm, I, my, I'm perfect as I am. My life is perfect as I am. Therefore, how, what makes me feel even better than now? You know, Because there isn't a point that you reach where you're like, okay, that's it. I'm done. Life is not like that. It's a process. It's not, it's, it's, it's just, it's a constant evolution. And, and in, th- in, in thinking and talking about weight, first of all, I invite everybody to realize and consider the fact that, and I, I've been hugely overweight, by the way, first of all, let me just say that. I, I'm not just talking as one of those naturally skinny ladies who don't know what it's like <laughs> to be in a body that is 20 kilos heavier than its natural state or than, than, or than my current state. I know what that feels like. And I know how hard it is to experience self-love and self-compassion when you're in a body that you feel doesn't fully represent you or that doesn't work at its full capacity or that society tells you doesn't look the way it should, you know? But the moment I shifted my perception and I stopped berating myself and hating myself for looking the way I did and instead I started experiencing self-love and compassion then immediately I started wanting to take better care of myself so I wasn't dieting because I was broken and I needed to fix myself I was dieting I was improving my nutrition because I loved myself so much that I and I felt that my body was so precious to me that I wanted to care, take the best possible care of it, you know? So completely different intentions, which brought forth the fundamental same outcome, that of better balance in my body, which inevitably, if you're carrying excess weight, will lead you to lose the excess weight that you're carrying. But because you're going at it from a different place and with different intentions, it's a completely different experience. So imagine, you had a shopping problem and you started racking immense debt on your credit cards, right? And whenever something made you feel bad, you went out and, and, and purchased something, right? And that was your thing. You are a shopaholic. I guess it's an actual term. Some people do struggle with that. And you buy and buy and buy. And, and when you feel bad, you buy more, more items to try and make yourself feel better. Um, and, and you rack up these immense debts on your credit card, you know? That's essentially what overeating is, is using food to make ourselves feel better. But are we actually really feel better, feeling better? 
you know, or it's just something that we tell ourselves. Is it just it's just a habit? You know, it's like like shopping. So if somebody is using shopping to make themselves feel better, it only but makes sense to instead of just quitting the shopping cold turkey, it makes sense to look at why that is and to try and break the habit through self-love and self-compassion, you know, because fundamentally, when we overeat, we're nothing but trying to take care of myself. We're just going out of ourselves. We just picked up this non-conducive habit that at some point might have even served us, but we've outgrown, we outgrow it at some point. We realize that actually what overeating, what eating certain food does is it actually takes away from my joy and happiness more than it gives gives me joy and happiness so let me look at more functional ways to take care of myself so you wouldn't tell a shopaholic or you gotta learn to love and accept your credit card debt right you would tell them okay so look at what's going on understand why it is that you feel compelled to shop all the time come from a place of self-love and self-compassion because that's fundamentally what you're looking for but find a more functional way so, so that you don't end up on the street and then find a way, uh, replace this habit with a more conducive habit out of self-love because you love yourself enough for it, because you care for yourself enough for it. And then slowly, gradually create a strategy to pay off this debt, pay, to, 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 to restore balance, you know? And that's what you do when you transform your nutrition for the right reasons is you, 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 you come from a place of self-love and self-compassion. You realize that that's what you're truly after. You find a more functional way to take care of yourself. And then you gradually and, and look at ways that you can restore balance in your body because your body wants to be healthy. Nobody's body fundamentally wants to be in an unhealthy place, Right. We want to be healthy. We want to be to, to, to thrive. We want to function at our greatest capacity. And so you look at you you look at better ways to care for yourself that that don't involve hurting yourself with food, because you love yourself so much. And then eventually you restore balance in your body. And by restoring balance gradually and systematically, you will lose the excess weight that is not natural to your body. And, and you will find uh, a new and healthier, healthier balance for you. What, this, what that looks like for you is different from what that looks like for me, because we are all fundamentally different. And you're absolutely right. We need to check in with ourselves. We need to check in with our bodies. We need to honor our differences. That's what body positivity is. Body positivity means to me to love each and every one as they are, um, but it, it doesn't mean that you have to accept a state that is fundamentally unhealthy or that doesn't make you happy or that, that threatens and endangers your, your longevity and your well-being. Yeah, thank you for sharing all that. It's such good conversation. Um, so there's one more thing that I wanted to chat about really quick, and I think it's a great... Um, little thing to end our conversation on. And again, it's from the book and it's on page 127. You said, don't wait for things to change around you, change you, better you. I like that you said, so you said change you, but immediately after that, you said better you. 
because I think sometimes, and again, going back to, you know, all the struggles that I had with like the dieting and stuff, it's because it was so ingrained in me that I was not okay the way that I was, that I had to change myself, my body, et cetera, to be loved and accepted. So I appreciate the fact that you said better you, because I think that that's, that's what it's about. It's about bettering ourselves. It's not so much about changing ourselves. It's about bettering ourselves. And it's not because we're not good enough as we are, you know, it's not because we hate ourselves the way that we are, or we're not good enough, or we're not lovable, or we're not, or we're not, we're not enough. There's, there's no such thing as being enough or not being enough. It's because we are so precious, so beautiful. We are literally a manifestation of, of the universe, our bodies. And I always say this to our shifters, your body is the most precious possession you will ever own in this life. It's, I say to them, it's the Ferrari that you drive through this life. Imagine this. Imagine if you owned a Ferrari and somebody came to you and told you, you know what? Sorry, your car is, is, is broken and we can't fix it. Uh, your body is broken. We can't fix it. So you need to trade in your Ferrari for a, for a new body. Would anybody even think about it twice before handing a Ferrari in to get, to get a body that allows them to, to live and enjoy their lives? You know, it's, it, it's a no-brainer. Now, I, and, and in fact, there are people out there who do that, who end up neglecting their bodies in order to earn enough money to buy a Ferrari, and then they have to spend a fortune trying to restore the, their health and their health and well-being, which they've lost in the process. Whereas if we went about life realizing that our bodies are the Ferraris that we drive through life, how would we treat our bodies? You know, we would think twice. Like you wouldn't you wouldn't own a Ferrari, right? And then go buy the cheapest fuel there is to put in your Ferrari or buy the cheapest oil there is, or litter it, or, or put trash in it. You wouldn't dream of it because it's so precious. Well, our bodies are even more precious. When we realize that, when we fall in love with our bodies, when we accept them for how beautiful and magical they are, then we, will, we, will, we won't even have to try stop doing certain things. It will stop, it will stop even being an option, Yeah. I love, I love the analogy of a car. Um, and I, I think back to, um, as a Christian, so putting, you know, like a quote unquote religious spin on it, you know, I was taught that God created my body to be a temple. So that means taking the best care of my body. You know, God doesn't want me living where I'm in constant pain and, um, whatever else, you know, I mean, my God, my God created my body to be a temple. So I need to take care of it. And that's not being selfish. If I choose to take care of it. It's the opposite of being selfish. It's, it's, it's literally honoring. If you're religious, let's put the spin on it. It's honoring God's will. Yes. Serena. Oh, sorry. No, 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 no. I was just saying, and so how can any advocate of body positivity argue with that you know then they are then they're 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 not they're not about body positivity they're about something else (laughs) right 
Serena, I have so enjoyed our conversation today, and I want to thank you again for taking the time out to be here. Uh, before we close out the conversation, is there any, is there like one piece of advice or anything that you want to leave my listeners with today? Yes. Start now. Don't wait. There's no tomorrow. There's no next week. There's no Monday. Life happens right now. You don't have to do something big. You don't have to do anything major. Take action now, whether it's getting a copy of my book or whether it's just browsing my website, whether it's reading an article, listening to your podcast. Take action now. Tiny little steps. Do not underestimate the power of compounding results, which are the result of just tiny little improvements over the course of a longer period of time. But you got to start right at this moment. What a powerful piece of advice to end on. Thank you, Serena. Absolute pleasure. That's a wrap for today's episode of the Your Shining Self podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a comment, and share with others that need a message of hope, love, and transformation.